if you don't know where you're at, if you don't know the state of things, if you don't really know how bad or how good your financials are, well, how are you going to grow the business to get to where you want to be? And to get to that point, you have to define it. How do you know when you've gotten there? How do you know when enough is enough? How do you know when you're done? How do you know when you've achieved your goal? Well, you have to define it. Otherwise, you have no idea if you have. Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Martin, have you ever been to Seattle? I have. Yeah. I've never been. I, well, I think I had a layover, but I've never been to Seattle. It's a place that's on my list, places to go. Well, every time I've been to Seattle, and probably six, eight times, uh, working and then also on vacation or just being out there, it's been beautiful and clear. And you can see, what is it? Mount, not Mount Hood. Uh, Mount, Mount Rainier. Mount Rainier. Rainier. Yeah. Bro yeah. Brother-in-law lives in uh, Hood River, so that's Mount Hood. Oh, yeah. But I can see him and it's like right there. And people say, oh, wow, we can see Mount Rainier today. And I'm going, yeah, it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> they say, well, usually you can't see it. So I've never been there in the gloom that uh, that There's is a little secret. Uh, August and September are the best times to come here. Yeah, well, that's probably when I was doing the, it. The smoke has been a more recent issue. But if, as long as it's not smoky, it's beautiful that time of year. Right. You get the clearness and it's uh, everything's out. Yeah. Where are the forest fires out? Are they in Washington or are they Canada or California? Usually Canada, although we kind of get them, we're kind of surrounded. They'll be Eastern Washington, Canada, sometimes California. It all depends on which way the wind's blowing. Um, but uh, this year was good. Unfortunately, it's kind of like nice. how we are talk you, about things now. Are you from Seattle proper or do you move there? No, I'm, I'm born and raised in Seattle. Uh, I now live just outside of it, but uh, I still claim it okay. just because most people don't know the, the city I live in. Right, <laughs> right. Gotcha. So it, has the forest fires picked up? Is that like... Or has it always been like this since you were a kid? No, I would say five, last five to six years. Uh, it it kind of came out of nowhere. There was one, I remember there was one year I came out to my car in the morning and there was uh, glowing embers on it from Canada. And that you, it was one of those moments where you go, holy cow, like if this had ended up on a roof or in a tree, you can see how it just like explodes. And, uh, and so ever since then, it's just been, it's kind of the seasonal thing. We go, is it going to be a bad wildfire season? And uh, this year, thankfully, wow. it wasn't for us. Um, we've had years where the air quality is so poor, you can't go outside. Like they're like, the scientists don't even know how bad it actually is uh, because they've no record of it being that bad in like the history of, history of the world. Um, so yeah, relatively new phenomenon. Uh, hopefully we get it under control a little bit more, but um yeah, I would say last five to six years. Man, that's wild. Yeah. Martin, I was talking to Nolan before this. Guess where his wife's from? If you had to guess anywhere, where would you say? Well, I'm going to say Pflugerville, Texas. <laughs> no, Did I Norman, hit? Oklahoma, right? Norman, uh, Oklahoma. That's, yeah. I was going to say, I figured that. Really? Yeah. Uh, where, where'd she go to school? Do you know? Uh, so she was only there for like the first five, six years. She went to Cassidy. Oh, okay. Cassidy for like yeah. a year or two. Oh, okay. uh, and then, yeah, um, yeah. 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 School. I think that was <laughs> private school, uh, private school. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. her, her mom and her, her mom and dad's family were from that area. Um, and then they moved actually up to like Northern Idaho. That's where she's, she'll claim she's from, but, um, Northern Idaho. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, we're here in Norman. So, uh, small world yeah. connections. Um, and then Martin, you were, well, we were talking about family office a little bit. Uh, cause I think that's kind of where we're going to focus a lot of our time and then 
kind of dive that into bookkeeping a little yeah. bit today. But I think whenever I think of family office, have you seen Succession, Martin, on uh, on uh, HBO Max? I think. Yeah, HBO. Oh, no. Yeah. Sounds like I HBO. need to watch it. Oh yeah, it's funny, but it's also really I don't know. It's it's good. Um, it's a great show. It's a really great show. Yeah. And what's uh, it on Netflix? It's on HBO, HBO. Max. Yeah. So oh, well, go I ahead and pick up another uh, subscription service. Yeah, while you're at that's it. what I need. You know, yes. <laughs> draining my bank overhead. account. There's yeah. just a leak all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Add it to the overhead for your family office. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Just a, yeah. It's research, right? That's a yeah. Right. Research. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I, that's kind of the direction I feel that it goes. I'm. I actually know a couple of people that have a fa a, a real family office. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, it's hard for me to think that this applies to our audience, but I know that it does because when I think about them, they're like, yeah. we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in just income annually. Yeah. And so they're, they're really, they're doing really well. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that it's not me. It's, yeah. it's not, not me. It's not our audience. I yeah. don't think. Uh, but I think that there's a different spin on it. So why don't yeah. we just kind of get an overview of what, what, let's talk at that high level. We're making yeah. hundreds of million dollars. Why yeah. does it make sense to have a family office? Yeah. I mean, the, at the, at that level, what you're really talking about is, and it's hard for the average person to really understand this, but the complexities that exist with that amount of money, like there's the old saying more money, more problems. Right. And it is, it is yeah. true. Um, there are so many strategic, uh, planning initiatives that happen at a, at a wealth of that size. Um, I know this actually, cause my wife works in a large family office. Um, and one of the things, I mean, you're talking about setting up foundations, you're setting, you're talking about setting up, uh, trusts for not just your kids, grandkids, generational skipping trusts. You're talking about uh, how to minimize everything really comes down to how do you minimize your tax liability across all the states that you're investing in? Uh, and how do you plan about transferring wealth between, between generations? Uh, that's really when you get to that level, what a lot of it is, it's about, it's about longevity. It's about, uh, sustainability. And for some families, not all, it's about how do you disperse that money to the right sources? So whether it's your family or whether it's outside organizations, charitable organizations, whatever the case may be, it's about what is your legacy? That's what a lot of family offices are about is the legacy of the family office, uh, and where that wealth is going to grow. And when you get to that point, what ends up happening is it becomes a self-generating machine. That's what you really want is that the, the active generation of income tends to sort of dis, dis, uh, decrease. And instead it's sort of like, it's like interest it's compounding, right? It's the, whatever it's doing is sort of self-generating more income. Um, so there's a ton of complexities that exist. I mean, it, it becomes its own corporation, if you will, right? Like we're talking family offices of 20, 30 people that are running this. I mean, that's a good size, medium business on it, on everything. Thing. But as you said, that's, that's not where most of the people, uh, uh, sort of operate nor frankly will operate. I mean, that's a level of wealth that we'll never, most of us will never see. Um, but for all, the average person, a family office is still maybe, uh, a, a good path to be thinking about. Um, and so one of the things that's really crucial to me and my my approach to things is making sure that you have the right professionals in place to help you with, uh, the things you're not, you're not an expert on. Uh, I I'm a firm believer in hiring experts to do the things we're not, uh, experts in. And so, uh, the same is true when you have a business, um, your business should be 
uh, a setup to help you achieve your personal goals. And one of the ways it can do that is making sure that the goals of the business are in alignment with the goals of you as a person or as a family. And so sort of the natural progression of that is to start kind of thinking about your personal life as a bit of a business and meaning that who do you have on your side looking out for you to make sure that the, the right decisions are being made. Um, and so that's this sort of idea of like a, a light family office, if you will, like sort of a, a diet family office where uh, the people who are there uh, and, and at that size, it's, it's really what we're talking about is a, a legal counsel. So an attorney that's, that you can rely upon, uh, usually a generalist, someone who can handle like estate planning, uh, maybe the setup of some businesses to sort of manage the registered agent side of things and that, um, an, a, an accountant and, and, or a CPA, depending upon sort of like what role they fill. So for example, I am a CPA, but I don't do taxes. I focus on the bookkeeping side of things. Um, and so you'd want to have someone who sort of has you want to have both those bases covered. Uh, and then the third one is an investment advisor, someone that's making sure that's sort of the, the wealth legacy side of things. Uh, but they all have to sort of work in tandem. And so the reason I kind of call it a light family office is you want to be having regular meetings as a group, those that core group with you as a family and kind of treating it almost just like a board meeting where you're sitting down and going, okay, what's new? What's changed? What, what should we be thinking about? And then conversely, the professionals ask you, what are your goals? Have, have you changed anything? Are you planning any big trips? Are you thinking of new endeavors? Are there investment things that you want to do? Is Jimmy now wanting to go to Yale instead of, uh, you know, a, a local school and, and thinking about sort of how are we planning for that? Um, and again, uh, one of the things that I think is, is crucial to this is that we don't know what we don't know, right? We, we are sort of taught that like, hey, you make some money, you put it in a savings account, you let it earn some interest. It's like the most inefficient way to grow wealth. There's a whole lot of tricks and tips out there that we, we aren't necessarily privy to that experts are. And so we should be utilizing them to help us find those ways to really uh, escalate our own personal wealth to our goals. Yeah, man, so much to unpack there. And uh, sorry, that was a long ramble. No, it's good. It's no, good. One, I, I, one I like, thing. Go ahead. Uh, well, I just want to point out, um, and I think you implied it, but maybe didn't say it explicitly, but for people for whom a foundation means a trench and concrete, you still need these yes. advisors. Yes. Uh, and you can engage them. You can rent them. You know, we, yep. we add to the list that you, HR, IT, yep. you know, the CPA, a banking relationship, mm -hmm. a regulatory compliance um, yep. relationship with the safety advisor who can navigate you through OSHA problems. Exactly. But I, there's a tendency of people to think I can do that or maybe it's not conversely, but in the same vein, I ought to be able to do that. Yeah. So I'm not going to farm it out. And I don't know how many times I've said, you need to have an attorney review your operating agreement. Yeah. And a person comes back and says, I can't afford an attorney. And I said, well, that's funny. How much does an attorney cost? I don't know. I said, it's right. You don't know. You self deselected yeah. yeah. and you can find out 500 bucks. You can get a lot done with an HR yeah. advisor or uh, have somebody on call to manage your server if you still have a server in your office, which you probably shouldn't. But uh, anyway, you can rent these people. Um, I actually have a, a resource on my website called the Advisor and Mentor Checklist, mm -hmm. which is kind of a review of what you were talking about. And, and you have to have them. Yeah. Well, and I think you keyed in on something that's really important, which is this idea of, it isn't about whether you can, it's about whether you should. Right. What is the best use of your time? Uh, 
Uh, sure, no, maybe you absolutely. can. Maybe you can review a legal uh, agreement. That's great. Uh, my father-in-law was an attorney at one point, and he'd be the first to say, "I can, but I shouldn't." Uh, maybe you can do the bookkeeping. You probably shouldn't, though. Is that the greatest use of your time? The greatest use of your time is really the things that nobody else in your quote-unquote business can do. And in a lot of cases, it's not reviewing legal docs. It's not working on the compliance side of things. It's out there working with your customers, uh, maintaining relationships, meeting with vendors, like sustaining the business in a way that only you can do it. And every, every minute that you're not spending doing that, you're wasting on most likely on something that someone else could be doing more efficiently. Yes, it may cost $500, but what are you losing? This is like the economic uh, loss, right? Or the, oppor the opportunity cost. What is the cost of doing that versus something else? It's probably a worse choice to not have a professional do it than it would be to you to do it. Uh, instead, you could be spending your time doing something that's more important to the business or to your family. Maybe you, instead of reviewing that legal doc, you're out there at your kid's football game uh, on the sidelines or doing something you prefer to do instead, reading a book, reading Martin's book, uh, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there, we, it isn't whether you can, I, I always come back, should you, should you be doing this is right. the question that I think you want to be asking yourself. Yeah. And I, I add to that, what you implied is that even if you can keep books, you're likely to not be very good at it and you're going to jack things up yeah. and you're going to be behind yeah. and you just, you just can't do it Yeah, and yeah. you, and you shouldn't do it. So excellent point. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a saying too, uh, sorry, and I'll just, I'll throw this in there because I think it's on point, which is so there are things that are simple and there are things that are, that are easy, uh, but they aren't always both simple and easy. Uh, and so just because something is easy doesn't mean it's simple. And that doesn't mean that you should be doing it or it doesn't just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy either. Uh, and so that doesn't mean you should be spending time on it. Uh, we, we often equate those two things as being synonymous, but they are not. And so mm -hmm. sort of keeping that in mind that the, you know, one doesn't always beget the other. Right. Yeah. I think for, I, I want to make sure that the, just going on the same thing that Martin was saying and deselecting yeah. themselves, I want to understand, like, from your perspective, when is the right time to start this? Is it something where it's like a tree, like the best time to plant it is 20 years ago? Yeah. Or is it something like, no, like if you're, you're only making a hundred thousand dollars in your business, uh, as you know, gross revenue. Yeah, this isn't really don't don't get started in creating a family office with a, yeah. of advisors. What, what do you feel like is the right time and and you know benchmark to be at to be able to get started? It's a great question. Uh, the, before I answer that more specifically, what I want to say up front is it's kind of like working out. Anything is better than nothing to some extent, right? So even yeah. if you just go walk around the block when you're working out, that's better than sitting at your desk and not getting up. So to some extent. There is no wrong time to start this if you if you're on that path and you really want to do it right don't don't think oh i didn't do this when i was young and so now it's pointless right or i'm at the tail end of my career and so there's no reason to do it. that that may not be true so don't don't just immediately write it off because that in terms of like sort of like when does this make the most sense i think it kind of depends on what your goals are uh you know to your point like maybe your your gross revenue is a hundred thousand but your goal is two hundred thousand okay well how are you going to get to that next level? Uh, what What is the progress or the progression that it looks like? Um, it isn't always about just sort of like the endpoint. Sometimes having that family office and that support group around you is going to what enable you to get to that endpoint or to your goal, right? And 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 maybe faster. Maybe it gets you there in three years instead of five years. So there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong time. I think 
when you decide to do it, it's about right sizing it at that moment in time. So maybe you don't go hire the most expensive law firm in town. Maybe you go hire the more reasonably priced law firm in town to help you with that. And then as your complexity increases, as your needs increase, maybe then you migrate to a, a more sophisticated attorney in that scenario, right? You can sort of like scale up as the support needs to change. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a value in having that attorney available for you uh, early on. Uh, maybe they're just uh, a, a more generalist and they're not specifically uh, uh, in an industry that, you know, is as, as, as niched. Um, so, you know, I think it's a hard one to say, like, here's the dollar that it makes sense out. Right. But I think I would, I would approach it more from the standpoint of what are you trying to accomplish and can this help get me there sooner, faster, more reliably? Uh, and the answer in most cases is going to be yes, because as humans, we often, we often think we're in more control than we are. Uh, and what, what we don't, what we fail to sometimes realize is that Oh, well, nothing's like it. IT is a good example of this. We, yeah. we sort of ignore IT in the background. It's like, oh, well, there's no risks. Like nothing has come up. Like I'm not, it's not doing anything. Like I, I don't need to really pay attention to it. But what we don't realize is that oftentimes that's, that's what it's intended to do. Like you don't, you shouldn't need to have it. You're preemptively preventing a lot of problems from ever getting there. And so that is the other side of this, right? Is that how do you make sure that those issues don't arise that are going to hold you back? So you invest in something that prevents a problem from ever happening, as opposed to having to solve a problem down the road that you've kicked the can. The, you're just, we're so aligned in our thinking. <laughs> uh, one thing I'd like to throw out is there are some things that you should do before you even start your business. 100%. You should do it. Now you didn't yeah. know that and you've already got a business, but let's take an operating agreement. Yep. I've got a client who, uh, did his operating agreement on legal zoom with a partner mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he's about $15,000 into litigation right now because of misunderstanding of who was supposed to put how much money in by when. Yeah. So he saved a thousand bucks on writing a good operating agreement. Right. And it's costing 15 and we haven't, we're not even seeing the horizon for the end of it. I have yeah. another client who uh, didn't seek advice or could be a CPA or uh, an attorney and did some things with, uh, workers comp, mm -hmm. uh, had oh, yeah. a 1099 employees who really weren't, but that's an IRS issue, yeah. had them pay their own workers comp, uh, workers comp commission here in Oklahoma came out and assessed her a $1,250,000 fine that's a big for one. which they settled for 43,700. And this is a business with 300,000 of gross revenues. So though yeah. she, she didn't seek advice. She just thought, well, I can probably do that. Yeah. And, the, you know, what would it have cost her to call an accountant and say, this is how you have to do it? Right? It's, uh, it's, those are, those are great examples. And the, 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 the maybe a comparison point is it, it's, I, I sometimes think clients or business owners, they, they don't always want to know the answer that they're going to get from some of these professionals. And so they're, they're hesitant to go, to go get it right. Because then, then it kind of puts them on a path they aren't wanting to go down. Um, it's kind of like if you went to the doctor and you, you had some screening done you're like, I don't really want to know if I have cancer. Uh, so maybe I don't get that, don't get that test done, but trust me, getting the test done and finding out you have it is way better than finding out you have it down the road when it's not solvable right. or the, the remediation of Perfect. it is way worse. Um, <clears throat> and I don't mean to say that to make light of cancer in any capacity, more of just that, like 
we have this thought that like, oh, it's not going to happen or like I can, it's not going to happen to me or that I'll just deal with it when it does happen. And it's like, to your point, it is much it's easier to deal expensive. with. Yeah. It's much easier to deal with upfront. Now, to your point, sometimes you get past a point. You didn't know that you need to do something. Um, that doesn't mean that you should continue to kick it either. Like solving a, a problem never gets easier or better the longer you let it run. It's usually easier to solve once it's identified and can and be and keyed in on. The places that most people tend to get caught up, uh, particularly new businesses um, that come back to bite them several years down the road, state and local agencies. So workers comp, payroll taxes, not being set up in the right jurisdictions, not paying the right agencies. Those are all avoidable things if you work with a professional up front, even an attorney to get registered in the right places. Sometimes it's as simple as calling the state. Uh, and so having your accountant or CPA contact them on your behalf to make sure that stuff is set up correctly. Those are way better solutions than to what you referred to, which is getting down the road and getting a huge tax bill uh, that you now have to to mitigate or litigate in some capacity, in some capacity uh, because you didn't do what you should have done up front, which is consult with a professional and get things set up right. in the right fashion. You know, uh, I do, you talk about mindset in your information sheet, and I want to touch yeah. on that. But Please. one of the things you kind of said, they don't want to know. Mm -hmm. What I deal with with companies have been around yeah. a while and are doing shady things. I mean, shady is a rough word, but they're yeah. 1099 ing everybody and they're clearly employees. Gotcha. You know, uh, they're taking cash payments and not recording it and yeah. expensing a whole lot of stuff that's not truly a business expense. I look them in the eye and I said, you want to be a damn business or not? Because this is not a business. This is a, this is an operation. <laughs> yeah. And you make that decision that I'm going to do things right. And you unwrap the maybe many years that you've been doing it a little less than correctly. And it forces you to do things like pay yourself a commensurate salary. Yep. Uh, so you're not lying about your business. Yeah. Uh, pay your guys who are W-2 employees as W-2 employees what costs me more because now I have to pay overtime. Now I have to pay payroll tax. Well, by God, do it. You will not become a thriving business that can grow and at some point be eligible to be sold. Don't mean you have to sell it or to put yeah. into your family foundation or your family office yeah. if you do things on the down low. Yeah. And it forces you Hey, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to charge a lot more and become more efficient. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what you're going to have to do because your weekly, monthly nut now includes a $100,000 salary for you that you have to make out instead of occasional draws. Yeah. It, that mindset of you need to decide, what am I doing here? Am I really running a business or am I just a guy out there lifestyle, like you talked about, under, yeah. the, under the table lifestyle? Yeah. Just don't do it. It's so important to understand that idea. Uh, one of the things that whenever I sit down with a new client that I want to understand with them is what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What are your goals? And, you know, oftentimes the answer is some financial figure. I want to make a million dollars. Great. My next question is why? Why? Like, do you just want a million dollars in the bank? Like, are you, is that, is that the goal or is that million dollars meant to accomplish something? And as we work through that, what we tend to get to is something like, and I'll use an analogy I said earlier, which is I want to be there to pick up my kids from school. And so I think if I make a million dollars, like I should be able to step back from the business enough that like I can do that. Great. 
That's an honest real answer, right? That That's right. what we're now trying to solve for. And once you're honest and you understand what your North Star is, then it becomes a lot easier to come back to like, okay, I'm about to do this. Is that really in line with what I'm going, what I'm trying to accomplish? Like is paying this clearly an employee as a 1099 contractor going to get me close to that? Probably not because the long-term implications of that are way worse. And do I want to put that on my family uh, down the road or the next business owner and potentially be sued because I didn't disclose this of that fact? Um, you know, those are all things, but I think it, it really is important to come back to that. Like, why are you doing this? Like most people don't wake. I mean, if you're the, if you're one of the few lucky people in the world who gets to wake up and they do something simply because they love to do it, that's amazing. And I, I applaud you for that. But most of us are doing something that we don't hate, but we, if we were given the choice, probably wouldn't be doing, or at least doing the way we're doing. And so that means it's a means to an end. And once we're acknowledging of that, and that we understand that this is not the ultimate goal, well, then let's redesign what we're doing and why we're doing it in a way that ultimately gets us to where we want to be. Uh, and I think that's really important. Um, and there was something that you said earlier that I just want to come back to. I, I have a mentor and he, one of the very first things I was starting a business back in college and he, I asked him to, uh, he was an attorney and I asked him to draft a, a agreement for us to, as part of the, the formation of it. He goes, I will, if you come in and let me preach to you for 30 minutes. I said, sure, of course. So come in. And he went, he talked, he talked, and it was really beneficial. And the thing that stood out for me all these years later is he said to me, he goes, every partnership ends. He goes, by definition, a partnership is when two or more people, one or more than one person owns a business together. And by definition, we all die. So at some point, the partnership is going to end. He goes, you need to know what it means when this partnership ends. And he goes, if for no other reason, when you start a business, understand what's going to happen when the partnership dissolves, because you're going to save both of you a ton of headache if you know what that looks like up front. Uh, and, yeah. and unfortunately I've had a fair amount of clients come to me lately who are separating their businesses, getting divorced, if you will, in the business. And it's amazing the amount of stress and turmoil that can cause. Uh, and so if for no other reason you consult a professional up front, at least do it so that you know, when this business is, is parting ways or you're selling it, or one of you moves on to something else that you know, it's going to end in a way that like you, you actually understand it. it's predictable and that it's not like hurting you. Nolan, I don't have time for all that stuff. I've got two guys who didn't show up today. I've got four customers that are ranting and raving at me. I yep. don't have time for all this stuff. If you spend any time out in my world, you would know that. Okay, what's your answer? Uh, you're 100% right that you don't have time for that stuff, but that doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't be making time for it. Uh, there's a lot of things in our lives that we don't think we have time for. Um, but we still need to make the time for it because it's ultimately what's best for us, right? I mean, you could argue, I don't have time to brush my teeth at night. I'm so tired, I want to crawl into bed. But that doesn't mean we don't brush our teeth because we know the consequences of it is that we're going to have no, we're going to be drinking out of a straw every meal for the rest of our lives. Uh, so I get it. Uh, there are we all make choices that at some point we're like that probably wasn't the best thing for me, or I, I probably should have prioritized this. Uh, working out is a great example, right? We, we all know that we need to be active and, and stay and be proactive and do things right for our, our health. We don't always choose to do it though, but that isn't the right choice, right? And so in the moment of when you have that, I have all these other competing priorities, that's why it's important to come back to like, why are you doing this? Uh, okay, sure, maybe you do need to be with those vendors, but there's also that mindset that comes into place. Like perhaps you're allowing meeting with those vendors to be more important in that moment than it needs to be. 
Uh, what happens if you say, I don't have time for meeting with you right now? What, what happens if you say, well, let's meet in an hour? What happens if I say, uh, doing something different than what I would normally do? We often paint ourselves into this corner that the outcome is this one scenario that's going to happen that we think of. And in actuality, there are a million infinite scenarios that can occur. And we oftentimes just focus on the singular. I always describe it as it's like you're standing there and there's a, a million doors in, in, in either direction facing you. All you can see is the one you're standing in front of. And you think you can either walk through it or you can't. Well, that's not true. You can walk to the right and go through that door. You can go two doors down. You can go five doors to the left. There are a lot of choices we have, but we don't give ourselves a permission to look at those other options. And that's a really big thing for business owners is giving ourselves a permission to do things or not do things that are important for us. Um, and again, I'll bring it back to goals. Starts with really understanding what are your priorities in a business? What are your priorities as a person, as a family? And is this decision I'm about to make the best thing for me or my family? Uh, I, I've worked with a lot of business coaches and counselors over the years, not ashamed to say that. Uh, and one of the things they always come back to is- Which one, the, count, the counselors <laughs> or the business coach? <laughs> uh, either, I guess. Uh, <laughs> The, the one that, the thing, what they all sort of come back to is you have to give yourself time to do the things you want to do. You can't just always do the things you think you have to do, uh, because otherwise there's no time to do those things that will lead to the things you want to do. Uh, and so I'm getting a little bit off topic here, I realize, but like going back to that question about like, well, I don't have the time to do this. Unfortunately, and people don't often like to hear this, you do. You've just chosen not to make the time for it. Yeah. And that's okay. That's your choice. Like, I'm not going to knock you for it, but it is a choice. You have chosen to spend your time dealing with the problem as opposed to working on something that might prevent a problem. And okay, mm -hmm. there, I'm not going to be mad at you for that. It's, it is your choice, but we also have to acknowledge that it is your choice. Someone else is not forcing that on you. And I think that we often don't want to admit that because that means we are responsible for the outcomes ourselves which is hard sometimes to accept that when things happen, it's our choice, not someone else doing something to us. Yeah. You know, one, one place that a good advisor and you sound like one really come in is when we talk about all the things that need to be done to create a thriving business that can work without the owner's presence, mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, if a guy's driving around listening to all this and I don't know, we haven't given a list yet, but there's a lot of stuff. You prioritize one, pick one, and go to work on that one. Yeah. That, that's how you do it. Yeah. And if you do it, let's say you take three months per topic, uh, like getting your books right or getting an HR manual written so that you're not winging it and firing guys and you got to get yourself a, a lawsuit. Uh, but if you take each quarter and say, I'm going to work with books this quarter and get them at least at a level, I'm going to work on an HR manual, Next quarter, I'm going to work on time management, work on leadership skills. At the end of a year, you look back, you're like, like your gym metaphor. Yeah. You don't notice the change in strength yeah. unless you record it and you yeah. look back and you realize, wow, I look different. I weigh less or more, depending on whichever way you're going. Yeah. And I can lift more weights. Yeah. Right. And, but it's step by step, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. The and step by step is key. Yeah, it's you can't do big things. You yeah. can't do a $10 million job, but well, you I mean, can buy the material and yeah. have it delivered 
and get the guys lined out and create the schedule, but you can only do small things that you can actually do. I mean, there's the old adage, right? Like, how do you, how do you move forward? Well, you take a step and then you take right. another step and then you take another step. And now you've taken three steps, right? Like that's, it sounds silly and it's a cliche to some extent, but that doesn't mean it's not true, uh, which is you, you, and again, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but it comes back to like really understanding what you're trying to accomplish. And if you just, if you can really align yourself to what it is, this thing I'm trying to do, then it becomes a lot simpler to carve away the things that are not actually helping you with that. Right. And so the distractions become easier to identify as distractions and uh, you know, a good example is, you know, we're, we oftentimes focus on how do I generate more revenue? How do I generate more business? Sometimes the best way to get more revenue is to get rid of bad clients. Uh, we don't often talk about that. Like if you have clients that are taking a lot of your time and they're not compensating you in the way they should, or they're, they're disproportionately affecting the rest of your business, sometimes you get addition by subtraction. Um, and so it's a distraction, right? And so how do we, how do we optimize what we're trying to get towards in a way that like it becomes more natural, it happens more organically, that it, it, it sort of just, there's less resistance against each step that you take. Um, there are, again, there are a lot of ways to get to where we're trying to get to. We just don't often give ourselves the permission to realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, everything you're talking about describes a plan uh, and a plan yeah. has direction. And the thing about taking a step and then another step and then another is that you have, by virtue of taking a step, determined a direction. Yep. Because a step has a direction in it, right? Yep. Yep. So, yeah, well, and for I sure. mean, not to, sorry, not to, I'll add this one thing, not to make this about me and what I do, but one of the things that I help, I, I start with clients on is I do, an, it's just an accounting assessment. It really is about helping them understand where are you at right now, helping them define where they're trying to get to, and then figuring out the path that they need to follow to get to that point. And that sounds really simple because it is, but it isn't easy, right? That's coming back to that idea, right? Which is like, it's kind of like if you open up Google Maps, I, I always love this analogy, which is like, you're like, hey, I need directions to the store. What are the two things you have to give it? Where you're starting and where you're going. If you don't define those things, it can't help you. It cannot give you a path because it doesn't know where you're coming from and it doesn't know where you're trying to get to. Same idea is true in business. If you don't know where you're at, if you don't know the state of things, if you don't really know how bad or how good your financials are, well, how are you going to grow the business to get to where you want to be? And to get to that point, you have to define it. How do you know when you've gotten there? How do you know when enough is enough? That's one of my favorite questions too, which is how do you know when you're done? How do you know when you've achieved your goal? Well, you have to define it. Otherwise you have no idea if you have. You know, and I think, I think we've talked about starting points and I think that's truly it is defining where you are and yeah. where you're going. I love the analogy of, um, there's the second century rabbi who's traveling to the village over and he's stopped by the Roman soldier from the distance who's in the barracks and says, stop, who are you, where you're going? And the rabbi just keeps walking towards the, the soldier. And he says it again, stop, who are you and where are you going? And he walks right up to the young soldier and he says, young man, what's your, uh, what's your monthly salary? And the soldier tells him and the rabbi says, I'll pay you double if you come to my house every morning, ask me the same two questions. And I think that's where you have to start is understanding oh, yeah. who you are, where yeah. you are and where you're going. Yeah. And you can't do that by just being in your business all the time. No. You can't do it by just following the daily routine of show up at work, work as hard as you can, go home 
and then watch TV, hang yeah. out with the kids, go to bed, wake up late, do it all over again. Because you're never taking time to step back and reflect and have some self-awareness. And I think gutting some time to just reflect on who you are, where you're going and writing it down and having some goals and getting an idea of what you actually want. I mean, I know that if you sit down, you said it's, it's simple, but it definitely isn't easy to get those things done yeah. because you think about understanding who someone truly is and their desires and what they want. That's the hardest question to ask. What, what do you want? And a lot of people really can't answer it. They, can, they may give you an answer, but that doesn't mean that's their real answer. Because if you say why, like you said earlier, it, it goes in so much depth that someone's not going to be able to get it. And I think once someone does understand what they want, even just going through the process, if you said of understanding their business and their books, like if they haven't done that for six years and they've been operating, that's not, you're not going to do that overnight. Like yeah. you've, you've got to gain so much historical evidence and it takes months, months usually to be able to get that and actually get an accurate number. Uh, you can definitely glean information from it and make some decisions, but to get it to where it needs to be is not just like that. Um, so I, I think for most listeners out there, there's a lot of steps to take, but if you are not taking time to reflect, if you're not taking time to write things down about yourself and to be introspective about where who you are and where you're going, then you're really going to have a hard time actually going somewhere that you want to be. 100%. No, and I, I have to... Uh... In light of that, I started a new client about three months ago. Pretty sophisticated guy, sophisticated guy. He's bought and sold a number of companies, has a really nice company. And so I said, well, what's your vision for this company? And I'm working with him. And he got visibly irritated, agitated. Yeah. And he said, I am not spending thousands of dollars to come up with a damn vision. And, oh, okay, I hit a nerve. Yeah. People do that. And I yeah. said, well, hold on a minute. Now, I'll let it go at that time, but we've since revisited this subject. Yeah. He said, when he's thinking of a vision, he's thinking of Simon Sinek, who wrote the vision out there in Seattle. Start with why. Puget, yeah, start with why, which is magnificent. Most people don't have that, at least not initially. Yeah. That idea of I'm helping the world, you know, I'm going to make my city the greenest city and safest sure. city, whatever it is. But I said, what do you really want? I would like a business where I have trusted employees who show up on time and I can delegate to that don't, you know, let me down and just create another checklist to follow up and see if they did what they did. Yeah. I would like a business that in which I can take a month, a year off. I'd like a system run business. You know, I'd like to have a cash, some things that you really want, not fancy. I mean, it's great if you can give it the full why, like yeah. Simon Sinek does. Yeah. It's just been my experience. Most people just aren't there yet. They they can't, well, I got to make money, right? But I encourage people to think about, no, what do you really want? What I, I want to be profitable at this level. I want to have this amount of money. I want to have this amount of time off. We are the saying or tagline for our podcast is less stress, more free time, more money. Yeah, That's what we're after. Take the stress yeah. off. Yeah. And everybody can do that if they liberate their minds. But again, they a lot of times self-deselect without yeah. articulating it in their own heads. They're saying, well, I never can get to a yeah. point where I can trust anybody because you can't hire good people now. They're all SOBs and they, they quit when I need them the most. Yeah. Well, is that true? It's, yeah. it's not always true. Well, I think yeah. there's a lot of truths in all that. And, and I always come back to the idea, which is 
<clears throat> we don't give ourselves permission to really think about being, well, it starts with the idea of being, of working in the business for, versus working on the business, right? So the idea that like, are we doing things within the business that are just sort of like tasks or are we working on the business in terms of like being strategic and trying to grow it and like being a leader as opposed to a doer, right? That That's sort of that first distinction. But regardless of what, in order to do that, um, you have to give yourself the permission to think about working on the business. And we don't often do that, right? We we get so caught up in the day-to-day the -day tasks, uh, filling out this form, talking to this person, doing this job, that suddenly weeks, months go by and we wonder why nothing's changed. Well, nothing's changed because we haven't done anything different. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't set out to uh, create a, a, any sort of change within the environment that we're working in. So why would we, why should we expect there to be any change? Um, and, you know, I always, I was asked this question by a, a coach like seven, eight years ago. And it is one of those things that like, it's like an earworm has gotten into my head and I cannot get it out, which is they asked me, what is your ideal day? And, and I, I was struck by that. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, if you could design your perfect day, what would it be? And to this day, I don't know. I'm to be honest with you. I still do not know the answer to that question. But what I do, I think better understand is there isn't actually an answer. It is the process of trying to figure it out. That is important. It is. What is it that, what is the next perfect day? What is your next ideal day? What is it? Because your ideal day always evolves where you're at in life and what are, what are your current situations? And what I've come to understand is that like, you have to be malleable. You have to be, you have to understand that like, whatever you plan for a day is probably not going to happen. Lists, lists are kind of like, <clears throat> excuse me, they're self-defeating to some extent, right? We set out, I'm going to do all these things. You're never going to do all those things in that day. We're terrible at planning our, our day out. Um, but what does the next day look like? How can, what does that ideal day look like? What, what does success look like for today, for tomorrow? And, and so much about happiness, just to bring this back, because that's something that's so important to me is it's happiness is really the difference between expectations and reality. And the smaller the difference between those two, the happier we are, to be quite honest. Um, and I had someone once tell me, they're like, well, if you wildly exceed expectations, isn't that like, are you from further away from expectations, but someone's happier? And I was like, not always, actually. You'd be amazed at how many people you can blow their mind with something more than they wanted. And all they really wanted was what they asked for. And if you just give them that, they're so much happier. Uh, and so, you know, understanding like, what is it that, what is it I'm expecting? What is reality? How close can I get those two? That's going to be your happiness. How do you work on a business rather than being in the business? Um, and then how does that translate into your goals and giving yourself the permission to think about what those ideal days look like? Says the accountant. And, yeah. <laughs> well, kind of drilling, drilling in on the accountant a little bit. We've, we've talked about, I think one of the themes here is making times to make the changes that, I mean, you have to have a vision, but that marks you towards your vision. Yeah. And we've talked about, you know, CPAs, bankers, HR, um, you know, I'm just uh, attorneys, IT people, regulatory compliance people. Yeah. If you're talking to a nascent company, been around maybe a year and a half, maybe they're all of a sudden doing 200,000 a year, which is not yeah. great, but they didn't expect that. Yeah. Where would you start? What would be your highest priority to, to get right? Yeah. So, uh, Putting aside the question of what are you trying to accomplish? Because we beat that one to, to well, death. Well, no, we've point. got that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So the next question I'm really asking is, 
I'm starting to look at how they got to that point. And so uh, when you're sort of in that, that, that startup phase, you know, you have to, you're a lot of, it's a lot of bootstrapping. It's a lot of scraping by. And so you, you, I don't want to say you take shortcuts, but you, you, it's the path of least resistance for a lot of things. But when you start to find success, that's a good opportunity to start to fix some of the things that maybe are a little precarious in how you got there, right? So you want to start trading risk for stability. So what are the things that are on the table that you can take off that are going to reduce your exposure going forward, right? So maybe, maybe you have um, some compliance matters that you need to attend to. Maybe, maybe you're not quite sure if you're registered in all the places that you need to be. <clears throat> That's a time that it's great opportunity to start looking at that because for you to make that next leap from where you're at in sort of that startup phase to the, the true growth phase of a business, you need to make sure that things are solid because there's this old, there's this, uh, there's this saying, uh, saying it's a rule, it's a, the rule of three and 10, meaning that as you multiply things from one to three, three to 10, 10 to 30, 30 to hundred, whether it's people or, uh, or dollars, <clears throat> things start to break. And so if you think about it, like if you're one person doing something, right, um, it's pretty easy to do. You don't have to communicate anything. It's just you doing it. As soon as you add more people to do it, <laughs> so you have two people doing it and you're reviewing it. Well, now you have a lot more communication. The process you had as a single person doing that doesn't work anymore because now you have more people involved. You have to deal with the communication of it. You have to deal with how that person's doing. You now have review. And so things start to break as you get bigger. And so the way to do that is you have to start removing the risk that exists within your processes and within your compliance structure and that, and start optimizing it in a way that sort of is more stable. That is going to allow you to make the next growth. So I would start looking at sort of poking some holes in some of the things that had gotten to this point. I'd also want to review, obviously, the financial statements. That's the biggest one, uh, because most likely what I've seen with businesses at that level is they're not very accurate. Um, what often happens is their idea, business owners have this really good idea of like, they know what the business is doing because, you know, they're spending the dollars they're seeing every dollar come in. They have a very innate understanding of what's happening, but it can get off base very quickly. And what ends up happening is you start to correct the financials, you start to fix them, the P&L, the balance sheet, and the reality of what the situation is starts to differ from what the business owners thought it was. And then there's this reconciliation that has to happen. Um, I'll use an example. I recently started working with a client. They've been around a couple of years. Um, and like last year, basically they didn't have any books. They got to the end of the year and they gave their tax accountant all the statements and they just booked entries at the end of the year. And this company in a couple of years, they got up to 30 million. So not exactly your 200,000, but they were up, they were up pretty big. Um, so can you imagine like having no financial records and doing $30 million in revenue? So he comes to me, says like, Hey, I need financials. This was a couple months ago. I need financials. Uh, my bank my wants them. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. I, my bank needs them. I need to get a loan. bonding company. Yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to get a loan. That was the answer. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's, let's do this. So we start working on it. The difference between what he thought his results were and where we actually are is huge. And so much of what we're doing right now is getting him to trust the numbers because he's like, well, what do you mean my profits are 6%? They're, they're 12 to 20%. I was like, mm -hmm. that's not what the numbers are telling yeah. us. And he's like, well, no, that can't be. And I go, well, we've reconciled every, every account. We've recorded every transaction. Here is all the detail. If you don't believe this, like sh show me what is wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. I, I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm not perfect, but like the numbers are the numbers. If they balance and we've accounted for everything, where's the discrepancy? And so we're coming up on week two of basically somewhat having to negotiate with him on, 
getting him to understand that like these are the actual numbers, right? And that's that's part of the problem is you 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 get you have a couple years of growth, you think you know what you the your situation is. Now we start actually cleaning things up. We start taking risk off the table, and now you get a better understanding. It's it's difficult for business owners to to come to terms terms with that sometimes. Wow, that's a crazy example, um, and unfortunately you know, I, I more think, common than you would think. I say com common is dirt. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I make this statement frequently, and I'll I'm sticking with it. Ninety percent of the businesses in the United States, and there are thirty million of them do not know if they made a profit last month, last quarter, or last year. They don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And there are lots of reasons, you know, booking deposits and cost of goods sold and not making entries in cash basis accounting and poor matching. It, yeah. it doesn't matter, but they don't know. They don't But know. they do look at that bank app and then they <laughs> right. try to think, well, I owe so-and-so and so-and-so, yeah. but they forgot the payroll taxes. And anyway, they, you can do that if it's just you. But you can't yeah. do it as you begin to grow. 100%. I want to think about it just even from the person's perspective that's listened to us talk about this on multiple episodes and like they're ready to actually take action. Yeah. I think obviously people can reach out to you, Nolan, and, yeah. and talk about getting started to learn more and, and working together. But even let's talk about like the attorneys, the investment yeah. advisor. I think, you know, as you're trying to build out this family office for yourself and really do things right. For most people, what comes to mind is, I would imagine a network like, oh, well, I know so-and-so is an attorney or, you know, my wife's friend's husband is an attorney. I don't know. Yeah. Should I talk to him? Um, or same thing for the financial advisor. But then there's also, well, I guess I could just do a Google search. <laughs> yeah. Is there something, you know, do you, do you guys think that there's an issue with working with someone you know? In these and having them in your family office um is that the best approach to have your best friend be the attorney in your family office or uh are you going to run into issues there is it kind of like hiring an employee who's a best friend um is that really the best option for your friendship or is and then if that's not the way to go how do you actually vet someone and make sure that you feel comfortable with them to be able to actually hire them inside of your family office those are absolutely great questions and they are real ones that we face every day. Um, kind of taking those one by one. So my personal opinion when it comes to hiring, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, friends, family, things of that nature. I think if you're very early on and you're like, you know, first six months, you're, you're just, you're getting things going, right? I, I think there can be value in having someone you know, a family, someone close to you in your inner circle, like helping you with some of that stuff. I, I wouldn't tell you no on that because at that point, it, you, they're kind of doing you a favor. But I think it's to, you need to understand that it's a favor that they're doing you. And I think we need to remember it as that, right? And as opposed to you, you can't go like, well, I asked my friend to do this a favor and now I'm treating it like I hired him and I don't understand like why it's not perfect, right? Like that that's the risk that you run into, I think, um, when you when you sort of, pull in family members and friends. So long-term, like I, I, I don't recommend it. I, I think it, 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 it will more likely than not taint a relationship that is probably very important to you. And that's, you have to ask yourself, is it worth losing the friendship over, you know, saving a thousand dollars on an attorney or something like that? And I would say it probably isn't right. It probably isn't. Um, the, the question of vetting a professional, 
is really hard, right? Because in a lot of cases, you're having to ask questions that you don't know you don't know the answer to, right? It, it, I mean, anytime you hire someone in an area outside of your expertise, it's very hard to know if the answers they're giving to you are real or, you know, lies. We're, we're, in, we're inherently not good at telling when people are lying to us as human beings. There's a ton of studies on this. Like we, we just, we don't know. We're not very good at it. Um, but what I can tell you is the more people you talk to, you'll start to see more commonalities. So if you talk to like, so the worst thing you can do is talk to like one or two CPAs or attorneys. That, that's not going to do it, right? That, there's not enough of a population to sort of differentiate between them. But if you start talking to more of them, um, and, and I realize we don't always have time and Nora's talking to an accountant, the most enjoyable thing in the world. I will fully acknowledge that's not how you probably want to spend your free time. Uh, but if, the, if you can talk to more of them and what you'll find is that they will start to, you'll see things that are linked between them. They will sub maybe three of the five you talk to will mention this one thing. Okay. Well that, that, what is that? Maybe there's some value in that. And then maybe, maybe all of them talk about this one thing and, and what you'll start to see is enough of a, a commonality or expertise amongst them or the ones that don't talk about those that you can start to rule out or rule in or narrow down the ones um, that uh, that are the, the best fit for you. The other thing I would say is you, you do have to sort of take, I don't necessarily believe in just trusting your gut all the time because I think our gut can lead us astray, but you do have to have a good working relationship with these people. And so it is important to factor in like, how, how do you get along with them? Like, under, I was listening to one of your podcasts recently about expectations and they were talking about like sort of like defining like how I work. I thought this was a really great thing about like really just like, you know, if it's a quick question, text me and that sort of thing. And, and so understanding like, how does this person want to be communicated with? And does that align with how I want to be communicated with? Like, is my expectation with this person that they're going to respond to my emails after I'm done with my day? So I want responses between five and nine at night. Okay. Well, ask that question, like get to know, like make sure you're asking the questions that are going to help you determine not just their competency, but how well you're going to work together. Uh, they could be the smartest accountant or legal professional in the world, but if you don't get along with them, it's gonna be a terrible relationship, right? Uh, so that, that you have to sort of factor in sort of that piece as well. Um, the other thing too, is you can have other people vet them for you. Like if, if you have an attorney, if your brother-in-law is an attorney and you're like, Hey, would you mind talking to this person or would you mind reviewing what this person told me and see what they think? Like, that's a good way to leverage the relationship you have while also getting someone who isn't your brother-in-law to do that work for you. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's a difficult thing for, for people that don't feel comfortable talking to people they don't know to do. And I think mm -hmm. that's usually the, the challenge is that yeah. They're like, they'll only talk, they'll get through the one conversation and they're like, I spent so much time on that. It was, I don't feel comfortable because I don't know any of this stuff. I'm yeah. just going to go with that person. But you really do have to have multiple conversations with people. And that's like the value of also being in networking groups yeah. uh, because you can meet people through that. And it is a more natural conversation than feeling like you're on a sales call because yes. that's not a comfortable place to meet somebody no. when you like, yeah, tell me about your services. That's not always the easiest thing. And so that's why I always advise people to be in some sort of network peer group where they can make introductions more naturally that aren't going to be the family member or the friend, but somebody they can hire um, that, you know, they can hold accountable and they're, they're purchasing a service. It's a normal transaction, but also there's a level of trust because of the referral, because of the experience they've had with other people that, you know, stuff like that. You know, I'd like to add one thing to it that, um, 
I ask people to do. If you're doing that three months, uh, I'm going to get an attorney lined out. That's my project for this quarter. And I'm going to get a marketing guy in the next quarter. And I'm going to get a bookkeeper. Actually, that's first. Absolutely, your books have to be first before anything else. It's yeah. the foundation. But there's another way to do it. You can go on YouTube and say, what do I need to know about a deal attorney? What's involved true. in a business? It's free. You can go to webinars. True. You can go. You can buy books on the subject. And over a period of three months, at the end of three months, you will be a different person than you were at the beginning of three months. And it costs you 0.0 in yeah. dollars. No, that's a great Yeah, That's a place to start. Uh, yeah. Look for articles on it. What do I need to know about forming a partnership? What can chat GPT? What could possibly go wrong with a partnership and a contractor in Norman, Oklahoma? Yeah. And ask it to refine it about five times and you'll have the names of the guys you better not do business with. Right? Yeah. So once you set your, your focus on something, there are just myriad ways. But yeah. I do like, uh, Cleo, the networking and the referrals and join a mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. Join a mastermind and with experienced people and go with specific questions that are focused on what you're working on that quarter. And so just, and just to emphasize that. So I, I'm in a networking group. Um, it's not a, it's not a, it's not meant to like generate leads, although it, it does. Like I I'm honestly in there simply because I want to meet other professionals in other areas that I can refer people to. And they're all over the country and, but I will go and I'll meet with attorneys. I mean, with one next week who his sole job is to connect people to other attorneys. And so I'm meeting with him and, and one of the things, and I even do it to meet other bookkeepers because sometimes it's like, Hey, I want to, maybe I work all over the country. I have clients like in all the time zones. Um, but maybe someone wants someone local. I'd love to be able to refer to someone in Bethesda, Maryland, be like, Hey, here's someone here who, who does local bookkeeping. Like maybe you go check them out. I am a huge believer in being able to give someone some piece of answer that they can take forward with them, even if it's not me, because there's so much value and so much misinformation out there. And so being in a networking group is so important to having, just expanding your horizons and getting other perspectives on other aspects of the business. It's, it's a huge benefit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, man, this has been everything that Martin could ever dream of in an episode. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, and I, I love it too, but now it's, it, I think there's a lot of alignment and the things that we talk about, I'm sure listeners will see that, uh, or hear that whenever they, they listen in. And I, I've really appreciated having you on Nolan. Oh, thanks uh, for having me. Tell us a little bit about, I think people are probably interested in maybe even working with you. So where can people reach you? How can they, uh, get in contact and what's the next step? Yeah. Uh, well, first off again, thanks for having me. It's been great. Love this conversation. Um, <clears throat> if you want to get in touch with me. Uh, so my firm is called Bradfield Accounting. Um, my last name is Bradbury, not to be confused. Um, so <laughs> uh, you can find me online, uh, bradfieldaccounting.com. Uh, there's a form on there you can fill out. It takes, it says it takes 90 seconds. I think it takes less than that. Uh, basically just ask for a little bit of information so I can get in touch with you. You can also email me directly at nolan at bradfieldco.com. Um, and uh, that will... Um, put you in touch with me and I'm happy to, you know, get in, get in touch with you that way as well. And, um, like I said, I, whether I can help you or not, I'd love to talk to you. And even if I can't be the one to help you, I can help find someone who maybe can. Um, like I said, my big thing is I just want to, I want to help people as silly as it sounds. I, I am an accountant. But that's not like my passion. That's like my tool. My passion is helping people. So accounting has just happened to be how I help people. So, 
Um, if you have any questions, you have anything, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I'll do my best to help you and point you in the right direction. Even if it's not me, who can help you directly. Fantastic. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thanks for being on the cash flow contractor. We'll get all that stuff in the show notes, Nolan. And man, would love to stay in touch. We appreciate Definitely. you. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy the conversation. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for listening to the cash flow contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.